This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup. And my name is Shelby, also known as SheCup. Join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed universe. From Assassins to Templars to the mysterious Isu and more, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. I'm Shelby, or SheCup, and I'm one of your hosts for this podcast. And I am Austin, or Teacup. I am your other host for this podcast. Yeah, so um, our past two episodes have been about Connor Kenway and the American Revolution. Kind of a crossover, a couple of episodes between Character Deep Dive and our Assassins versus Templars series where we just dive into the history. So today, Austin, if I'm not mistaken, we are going back to the the regular Assassins versus Templars format. Yes, we are. And we're going back to that format. And today it's kind of a jump through the centuries because we're going to cover three big things that happen pretty spaced out between each other, relatively speaking. And the reason we're doing that is we just don't know a lot about these events but they're pretty significant in history. One of them is significant only really in American history, but. I, I would take issue with that. Well, I'm talking about the middle one, not the end one. Okay, there, that's fair. And so we just don't know a lot about those times. And so we're going to get a, you're getting a bang for your buck. You're getting three conflicts in one. Yeah, and when we say we don't know a lot about these time periods, we don't mean, like, in real history. We mean in the Assassin's Creed universe, we don't know specifically a lot about these events in the Assassin's Creed world. We we know a lot about these events in our own history, but mm-hmm. uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> All right, well, are we ready? I think so. Wait, let me talk about, um, real quick, my playthrough. Okay. Because I finished Assassin's Creed 1 and have now moved on to Assassin's Creed 2 into the Ezio trilogy. And I am very much enjoying it, aside for uh, the occasional glitch in the games. But uh, it's been a, a major improvement over Assassin's Creed 1, and I'm enjoying it much more. All right. Well, yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying Assassin's Creed 2. It is often ranked as the best Assassin's Creed game of all time. Oh, that's interesting. Mine's mm-hmm. um, not my favorite thing, but something I'm very much enjoying about it is all these little renovations that I can make to the villa. 10 out of 10. I knew you would like that. <laughs> all right, well, you're ready to dive in. Let's do it. All right, y'all. Well, we talked about the American Revolution and Connor Kenway. So we're just going chronological, which means the first one we're talking about 
is the French Revolution. All right. So a little history to kind of sets up sets up the scene of the French Revolution. You have the Seven Years' War, or as in American history, we call it the French and Indian War. Um, and that causes a lot of turmoil, not just in the American colonies, but also in France. Uh, it was an expensive war. It was a long war. And it cost a lot of money and caused a lot of turmoil. With this turmoil often brings a change in leadership. People start to get unrest, which is what happens in the American colonies. You know, they're basically, after the Seven Years' War, the Britain is basically like, we need the colonies to start paying, their, paying these taxes so we can pay for the war we just had that we fought on your soil. And the colonies don't like that because they hadn't really been paying taxes that much before then. And so that starts the unrest and the whole thing that leads to the American Revolution. Similarly, in France, the country's not doing well. They're also in debt. And then they get further expounded upon because France backs the American Revolution, which makes sense because France is kind of this assassin hub. And... The, one of the driving forces in the assassins or in the American Revolution is an assassin trying to take down the Templars. The Templars decide, let's start a revolution of our own. And so this is your spoiler warning for now. Heavy spoilers now for Assassin's Creed Rogue and Assassin's Creed Unity. Should I go or? No. <laughs> The revolution kind of begins on the Templar side when Templar Shay Cormac, who is a Templar, an assassin turned Templar in the colonial assassin area, which this kind of explains why he is not present with Haytham and the others with the whole Connor story. So he's in France in 1776. And he's an assassin at that time. No, he is a Templar. But he was an assassin. He was an assassin briefly at the start of the Seven Years' War, but then he turns Templar. Okay. So he kills the assassin named Charles Dorian a while at a meeting at Versailles, which is like a meeting of all these intellectuals and leaders. Ben Franklin is there. It is just to like discuss, I guess, whatever with the revolution. So... Shea Cormac kills the assassin Charles Dorian, and as he kills him, Charles Dorian is basically like, I thought Connor was going to put an end to you, like, all this, and Shea basically says, we'll start a revolution of our own. Meaning the Templars. Yes. The French mentor at the time, Mirabeau, began to mediate between King Louis and the revolutionaries. This is Louis XVI. And hoping to bring the conflict to a peaceful end while maintaining, ironically, a truce with the Templar Grand Master, Francois uh, de la Serre. That's big, that the assassins and Templars in France basically have a truce among each other. Yeah, I want to know what Louis XVI, you said, yeah. what he gains from that, really. Uh, there, He's trying to... So he's not really a part of the Templar or assassin, whatever. I mean, he's a, he's sympathetic to the assassins, but he's well, kind of 
his own thing. He gains the fact that the revolutionaries, because they're trying to calm the revolutionaries to not, you know, kill King Louis the Sixteenth. Well. So, yeah. So, nine years after this place of Versailles, after Shea Cormac has killed Charles Dorian, this truce still stands between the assassins and the Templars. However, not all the Templars agree with this truce. And frankly, to be honest, not all the assassins agree with the truce either. So, another Templar, who is also an Isu sage, Es- decides he needs to escalate the conflict and he plans to assassinate De La Serre, reforming the Templars under his rule and using the revolution to unseat the assassin power stronghold. So through a lot of different things going on, he assassinates De La Serre and the assassin Arno Dorian, the son of Charles Dorian, who is a foster child of De La Serre is imprisoned for the murder of De La Serre. That seems unlikely that he actually did it. (laughs) Right. So, and this also uh, leads to Arno's own recruitment into the assassin while he's imprisoned by the master assassin, Pierre Belek. So Arno, in a response to want to avenge his family, or avenge the death of his foster father um, after after Charles Dorian is killed, De La Serre basically raises Arno as his own, which is just so interesting, the relationship that these two men, one an assassin and the other a Templar, had with each other that he would feel the need to raise his child but never induct him into the Templar order. Yeah, it is interesting. Do we know, like, do we get any more background on why? Um, he decides to raise Arno. We'll get into this, but it has a lot to do with his daughter, Elise, who is a Templar, and she is very sweet on Arno. And I think it's just a point of he sees a kid who just lost his father and is like, I'll take care of the boy. Yeah, like the the empathy and the just like base humanity overpowers your like political allegiances at that point. Right, and... That's kind of where I feel like the assassins in the French Revolution, at least where they're before that, and the Templars, they've reached this kind of stalemate where they're like, we just want peace. We're not going to work together, but we're not necessarily going to work against each other either. Which seems odd. Yeah, it feels very different from like all of the other historical events we've discussed right so arno systematically hunts down all the men he believes responsible for de la serre's murder uh, he kills them and afterwards a templar the te- germain the templar he directs him to another templar who was an ally of de la serre arno then mistakenly kills him And he discovers that the Templars are orchestrating the revolution and had planned to execute Louis XVI. So Arno subsequently forms an alliance with uh, his adopted sister and old uh, flame, Elise de la Serre, who the assassins, from whom the assassins discovered that Germain was the new grand master. 
Soon after, Pierre Bellic, the assassin that recruited Arno, uh, kills Mirabeau. He's angered over the truce with the Templars and fanatically believing the assassins needed to be destroyed to be to be built back up. Similar to what happened at Masioff, Monterey Joni, and the American colonies. Okay, this is this is not tracking for me. Because it seems like, from what I know of history, which arguably is not everything, um, but the French Revolution is about class and it's about basically the working class of France at that time rising up against people in power that they perceived not only didn't care about them, but like flaunted their wealth um, in front of them. So anyway, the fact that this is like a class war, this is not just like any other random conflict that arises. It seems counter that the Templars would encourage this. This seems to me like something the assassins would encourage. This is the point I want to get to. Both the assassin leadership and the Templar leadership are from the nobility of France. I see. Well, that sucks. So, like, really, Arno and Bellic, these two people who are not, like, leaders of the assassins, are the only ones that come from some meaning of, like, working class. I mean, Arno is raised by a noble family, but he's an orphan, so he has no, like, stake or... He gets no inheritance. Right. Unless De La Serre decides to give him something. Right. And so I think that there is a point of that where the assassins get comfortable in France. They have power. They have influence. They forget about the people. Which, I mean, I feel like if the assassins forget about the people, they've forgotten their entire mission. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, There's a great quote and argument that comes between Ezio and Niccolo Machiavelli. And it happens in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. So if you don't want me to tell you, tell me now. No, you can tell me. So basically, they're trying to rebuild the Assassin Brotherhood in Rome and like get a an establishment against the Borgia. And Ezio is basically like, why don't we appeal to the people? And Machiavelli is basically like, the people are weak. We can't trust the people. And... Ezio is basically like trust in the people is the heart of our creed. So Machiavelli is an assassin? Yes. Interesting. So Bellic is killed by Arno. Arno believing that he, this is not good. His method here is not good. And now the assassin's council, the governing body they, of the council has lost their mentor and another member. They sent Ar- Arno to recover Mirabu's correspondence with the king. And while there, Arno formed an alliance with Napoleon Bonaparte. You mean Bonaparte? Bonaparte, who was looking for an ancient key of some sort. Let me guess. Let me guess. The key is a piece of Eden. Sort of. Ugh. So the, the Assassin's Council basically forbids Arno from pursuing Germain the Templar Grandmaster, who's kind of orchestrating all of this. Instead, tasking other members with the investigation, claiming that Arno is too close to the investigation to act rationally. Well. Probably fair, though. 
as most game protagonists do, to quote Nick Fury, I recognize the council has made a decision, but it's a stupid ass decision, so I've elected to ignore it. And so he directly disobeys their orders and he tracks Jermaine to Louis XVI's execution. And because of all this, the council exiles him from the Brotherhood and Arno continues to pursue Jermaine and Robespierre, uh, the instigator of the Reign of Terror, which is a great historical time period. Let me just put it this way. After our revolution, we like decide to form like a system of government. And like, we do have some turmoil a little bit, but we kind of get things together. France just takes another route. Yeah, France totally goes violent, like all the way. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. They went all out 10 out of 10 back then. And every time their government has failed, like every time they've come to a place in their country's history where they're like, yeah, we can't get past this. They burn it all down and start it all over. And we haven't done that in America. And look where we're at. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I'm just saying, I mean, I'm not condoning violence. Don't mishear me, but think that they have a point with the whole let's start over thing. And Robespierre is not a good leader. God, no. And he's a Templar. Uh, So Arno kills the Grand Master while looking for the Sword of Eden on July 28th of 1794, which is around the time that a certain short commander is starting to make his moves in France. So Arno, still exiled from the Brotherhood, he tracks Napoleon uh, at the St. Denis Temple, where he stops him from trying to get an apple of Eden. There's your key to, to a piece of Eden. And gave the artifact to an assassin for delivery uh, to a new Almualin in Cairo, moving it away from the French Brotherhood. Arnold was later reinstated into the Brotherhood and became a master assassin. While Napoleon later retrieved the art attack from Egypt, the assassin prevented an attempt on his life on December 24th of 1800. The council member, uh, Sophie Tarrant, later played an important role in the events leading to the foundation of the French Second Republic. Interesting. Which the Second Republic does not last long. No. Well, I don't remember. Which republic are they on now? Fifth. Oh, is that all? Yeah. Are you looking it up? I am. Yeah, you're right. It is the Fifth Republic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the Second Republic doesn't last long. And then Napoleon, I think, Napoleon makes his own thing. And then they make the Third Republic. And then I don't know French history after that point. Look, you're doing better than me. This is not my subject area. All right. Well, do you have any like thoughts you just need to get off your chest? Otherwise, I think we're ready for our break. Uh, Let's go to the break. All right. Welcome to the break. This is the time of the show where we tell you everything that has to do with the Assassin's Creed lore cast and not necessarily Assassin's Creed 
lore. So this is also the time where I tell you that uh, the number one way to support us right now is to share the show with friends, your socials, anyone you think uh, might be interested in listening, but also to leave us a review. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple with words. If you leave us a five-star review, we will read one out. And you can also give us a rating on Spotify. Um, That one's just numbers though, no words yet. Um, But we do have a review to read today. Yeah. Um, Exciting. And this one is from Sleepy Lion 4. And they said, a wish come true. Just a few weeks before the very first episode of this podcast was released, I had found myself diving back into the AC games and falling in love with them all over again. I listened to a number of other lore casts, and I couldn't believe there was nothing out in the world that covered AC lore properly. Then, as if my wish had been granted, I discovered the cups. Bringing forth bits of the lore and history that bring these stories alive, Shelby and Austin have my many thanks and full support. Much love to you guys. The AC games are some of the best games I've ever played. P.S. AC4 Black Flag is hands down the best in this series. Thank you so much for the review, Sleepy Lion, and all the love back to you as well. Thank you, Sleepy Lion, for your awesome review. I know Austin agrees that Black Flag is the best in the series. I have not made that statement outright. I have not decided what I think the best in the series is, but Black Flag is up there with me. I know that Black Flag is your favorite, right? I don't know. Okay. go back and forth. Let's just... I'll tell you the three that are in the running. Okay. I go back and forth between AC Brotherhood, Black Flag, and Odyssey. Okay. Well, Which are the games that I've played the most? Oh, that AC3 is up there too. It's too hard. It's too hard. Okay, moving on. Back to the break content. Um. Other ways you can support us is by joining one of the Discord servers that we're in. We have our own Discord server. It's called the Cups Podcasting and More. And you can come hang out with us. We talk all about um, Assassin's Creed. You can get a pretty much a live play-by-play of my current playthrough um, right now of AC2. And also we talk about other games like uh, Star Wars, KOTOR, Dragon Age, Mass Effect, and many more. And you can also get the latest news on all of our podcasts. Um, this show, obviously, the Assassin's Creed Lorecast, as well as the Dragon Age Lorecast and Austin's other show, Holocron Histories. The Discord server is the first place that they, they get all news first um, that have to do with the shows. So come on over and hang out with us there. And if you're also looking for new podcasts to listen to, you should totally check out uh, the Robots Radio Discord. We're part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. And in Robots Radio's discord server there are so many awesome shows to check out i mean i could just give you like five or ten off the top of my head awesome 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 shows um, that you can check out and all of the hosts are in the discord as well so you can um, chat with them too so is there anything uh that i have forgotten to mention here in this break austin i don't think so all right then let's get back to it all right so our next we're jumping ahead about 50, 60 years. And across continents, too. Yes, and across continents. So we are going from the western part of Europe 
in France to the western part of the United States in California. Yeah. Though it is not. Well, I guess it's technically a part of the United States, but I don't think it's the state of California yet. Yeah, I think it's just a territory at this point. Right. So as the United States starts to expand its territory after the revolution and the War of 1812 and the Louisiana Purchase, the United States starts moving and expanding across the whole width of North America. So the assassins, with that, they want to continue their presence in this newly formed American states. Uh, As such, assassins operated in all these new territories where you think Texas, Oklahoma, you know, Oregon, California, all these frontier all the way to there they sought to have presence there so in 1852 we have this thing the height of what's called the california gold rush which if little history lesson it's this period where everyone thought there was an abundance of gold in california and thousands of people seeking gold move out to california and basically try to find this gold but it's kind of a fool's errand. Yeah, it's not as successful as they wanted it to be. Right. So the Brotherhood dispatched an assassin on a mission to receive stolen gold from John Stutter, one of the pioneers during the gold rush. So they tracked his carriage while in transit to the Great Basin Desert and took the gold from Stutter to bring it back to the Mayadu people. So remember that we talked about the assassins have always had this close-knit relationship with the indigenous people of the American continents, both North and South America. Uh, We read that quote talking about their similar and ideals. So the assassins are basically gold that belonged to some of the indigenous people of these areas. They're going to take this back from the settlers that are taking that. Yeah, and the stutter person has basically used these natives to get the gold for him and then take it and then not get any of it. Right. So here's my question. I feel like it would be a natural, maybe not recruitment is the right word, but I feel like it would be natural for um, more native people to join the assassins than just Connor Kenway. Um, Do we know of more? Um, So most of the assassin brotherhood in the West Indies are actually native people in the West Indies, that kind of area. We do know of one that is a named character. He's in Assassin's Creed Rogue under Achilles Brotherhood. So yeah, though I don't know of anyone named, or I can't remember the other named person who is a part of Achilles Brotherhood, but in Assassin's Creed Rogue, you see a lot more native people like actually joining the Brotherhood. That's really all we know about the Gold Rush. I included it because it was a little kind of snippet story. But it also just kind of gives you like what the assassins are doing kind of pre our next area that we're going to. I guess that is pre. Yeah. I mean, pretty like it's close, but. Yeah. Well, just and also different parts of the country, too, you know. Yes. So as we continue into our next conflict, we're not jumping forward very much time. Same continent. Same century. So, as we know from our American history, the election of 1600, or 18, not 1600, 1860, we were not a country in 1600. 
we didn't have an election of 1600. I mean, there were probably elections somewhere, but not in the USA, baby. No. So the election of 1860 uh, would be the final nail in the coffin that would spark a bloody conflict between the northern states and the southern states that we know as the Civil War. And yes, there are a lot of factors that go into the start of the Civil War and the causes of the Civil War and what they were fighting for in the Civil War. But the election of 1860 is really just kind of where there was no turning back. Yeah. Yeah, mostly. Mm-hmm. And that, for those of you who don't know, that is the election of President Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, I think um, it, it's definitely that and the, um, I can't remember what year it was, but like the fugitive slave law was mm-hmm. a huge turning point in the Civil War as well, because it basically compelled people in the northern states and like non-slave states to return fugitive slaves to their slave owners, um, which obviously a lot of abolitionists protested and even just like people who weren't necessarily associated with abolition but weren't pro-slavery either did not like that. So I think that both of those two things combined are things that basically set us on the course to which there was no coming back from. Right. So the American Brotherhood takes the side of the unions of the union under President Lincoln, whereas the Templars back the Confederacy. Now, this is not a black and white. Yes, all Templars were Confederates and all assassins were pro-union because there were both members on both sides. I'm just going to say that that tracks, though. Yeah. So in order to help win the war in 1863, the lone assassin operating in New York, remember last time with Connor Kenway, we talked about after Connor's success, the assassins kind of adopt this one assassin model to operating. So there's with the Brotherhood, there's really one assassin in each major area that operates. Uh, He needed to steal a dagger of Eden from a group called the Aztec Club and deliver it to General Grant, whom the mentor of the Brotherhood at the time perceived as the Union's best hope for winning the war. So another little sidebar that I want to do. Have you ever heard of the Aztec Club? Absolutely not. It's a real group. Okay. Um, So it's a group that was founded in 1847, and it's just a military society of United States officers of the Mexican-American War. And they basically wanted to, like, get together and kind of meet and just reminisce about their war, war buddies, whatever. And they apparently collected artifacts in the Assassin's Creed world. That's hilarious. And it's a hereditary group. So like to join it, you have to like prove you have some like hereditary link to these officers in the Mexican-American War. That's so funny. It's just really random group of history. And I had no idea. So. Um, speaking of the Mexican-American War, I'm curious. Um Actually, speaking of the Mexican-American War and Reconstruction makes me think of the presidents from Tennessee 
which are notoriously terrible. Don't get mad at me. I am a Tennessean. I can say that. Um, I'm just curious, especially about Andrew Johnson and Andrew Jackson. Like, do we know um, if they are in the Assassin's Creed universe? And if so, are they uh, Assassin or Templars? Like, do we know anything about that? I do not know because in a lot, so there probably is an Assassin's Creed like wiki entry for both of them because they're historical figures, but it's just their history that normally comes into play. Like their actual history. Mm -hmm. Um, If I had to guess, I think that Andrew Jackson probably would be drawn to the assassins, but he'd be a very bad assassin. Just because, like, so right though. Just because, you know, he, while he does terrible, terrible, terrible things, he is a very much a champion of like the everyday person. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was not a political insider. Like, he was not from like a wealthy family. Well, I don't know if his family was wealthy, but like, he was not from like, the high breeding and like all of that kind of like old money. Like that was not, that was not his family at all. He was very much a man of the people. Like, let me talk to you like a normal person would talk to you kind of person. Yeah. And he hated all of the, like, either he would be attracted to the assassins and be a bad assassin, or he just would want nothing to do with it. Cause he hated all of that kind of like work in the shadows behind the scenes. Like, all that kind of stuff. He hated that. Yeah. Now, Andrew Johnson, totally 100% Templar, in my opinion. In my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, you know, for history, I don't think Lincoln would have been an assassin either. Interesting. Say more. Because, yes, Lincoln is for the abolition of slavery. But, and we'll get into this, he doesn't always act in the best interests of the people. What do you mean by that? Um, in that he is very like determined in his one goal and he doesn't care the means in which he achieves it. I get that. Um, and I know he's like honest Abe, like that's what we remember him as, but I mean, he was an abolitionist, or I, I don't even want to say he was an abolitionist. No, he was not an abolitionist. He was not an abolitionist. He like was that for, noted. Yeah, he was, he's, we champion as the person who ended slavery, which he did, in, technically. No, he did. He, he did. did. But he also was not, like, he was not this big champion of freedom that we often paint him in as history. Right. And we often only see him, like, as the civil war president, like he did other things throughout his presidency as well. Like things that were not necessarily good things, specifically like the hanging of the, I think it's 40 something, uh, Dakota men. I I think it's mostly men, um, after, you know, a war with that tribe of, of indigenous people. So like, that's something that we can talk about is like, this was a failure of your presidency. And also it is really important to note that like, you know, we just mentioned it earlier. 
he was not an abolitionist and and even before he was president said as much basically and he decided to do all of this because i guess he felt like he was being forced into it like this is where the country is right now this is what we've got to do but he was not a person who was convicted of abolition based on you know the horrors of slavery or or anything like that it was purely political mm-hmm. and we'll get to another big decision that he makes that leads to something bad Right. Um, but before we do that, I want to talk about the Dagger of Eden, because this is not something we've seen outside of the comics. So the Dagger of Eden is a piece of the Trident of Eden. It is a they split the Trident of Eden into three pieces. And the piece that the Aztec Club has is called the Fang of Faith. which is interesting because what the dagger's special property is, is that it could make the the user determined in their beliefs and cause the enemy to severely question theirs. You can see now why they would want this for the Union Army. And in, in the comics, basically, Varys, the assassin, he's struck with it and immediately just starts completely questioning the assassin's ideals. Hmm. It's very interesting. Yes. So eventually Varys does get the object, and uh, he works with a new apprentice named Eliza, whose father was killed during the Templar-planned draft riots. Now I'm going to pause here and talk about, do you know what the draft riots are? Um, I don't remember them, not off the top of my head. So naturally, like all wars, Lincoln imposes a draft. But the problem that was happening is he allowed people to basically buy out of the draft. You could basically pay a certain sum for a substitute to come and fight for you. And so what was happening is white people were paying sums and forcing recently freed slaves into the army. That's gross. Yes. This is one of the largest race riots in the entirety of our history. So this is real. This is not something the Assassin's Creed universe made up. Correct. They say the Templars actually instigated and planned this, but 110 people were killed as Irish immigrants basically attacked recently freed slaves in the North. That sucks. Yes. Which is, we'll get to that in a little bit. So this new assassin, her father was killed in the, in the draft riots. So Varys recovers the artifact and he, as the, temp, as the Aztec club were about to deliver it to the Templar Grandmaster, William Tweed. Do you remember anything about William Tweed? No, dude, I do not. And the name sounds familiar. He was a politician, Democratic Party. So Eliza later participates in the Civil War and successfully brings the dagger to General Grant. The assassins continue to remain active during the war. And even after the assassination of President Lincoln at the hands of Templar affiliate John Wilkes Booth, the Brotherhood killed Booth on the 26th of April, 1865. We've had all this 
turmoil and we're coming into the turn of the century. We're going to hop over a little bit to England really quickly. We are just all over the place tonight, huh? For the first time since Alfred of Wessex, the Templars are going to lose their hold on Britain. Darn. Well, not the first time. The first time since Edward of Kent, since Edward Kentway. I'm so sad. Um, So through events, the assassins, Jacob Fry and Evie Fry, against their mentor's wishes, go to London to undo Steric, the Templar Steric, his entire industry. They work with people like Karl Marx, Charles Darwin, and a bunch of other people, the assassin named Henry Green. What, what you got? This comes from the game Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Correct. And they free London from Templar grass. Okay. For the first time in centuries. Pretty impressive. Yes. That's important because of where we're going to go next. I'm sure you all can guess what conflicts are going to be next. I think it may have something to do with an assassination. Yes, it does. (laughs) Of a certain Archduke. So, yes. So, this is important because going into World War I, France, England, and the United States are all assassin hubs. It's really interesting. So where, where then do the Templars have a footing at this time period? So this is important. We can talk about the legacy. So with the losses that they had, Templars look to the rising power of Germany and Russia. Again, this tracks in my mind. Yes. And we'll get into exactly what each role plays in our next episode on we might do another two-parter or each war might get its own part depending on there's a lot of information because there is like a book series about it and a comic Mm -hmm. series about it so we have a lot of information so but you also know that this point when they go to germany the templars start to kind of switch to a research and design model because Mm -hmm. if you remember this is when the diglock's going to come into play Yes, I recall. So, yeah, but also this is interesting because in both in the French Revolution and in kind of how they use the draft riots, the Templars are starting to use freedom to further their cause. Mm -hmm. Which I think is interesting. I think it's interesting, but I think it makes sense because we established earlier that, and like a few weeks ago earlier, not just earlier in this episode, that they've already started to use like the assassin model against the assassins. Mm -hmm. I think it totally tracks that they would then co-opt the narrative of the assassins and twist it in their favor. Right. And we're about to enter the era of propaganda which is going to play another whole role into this. And I think they kind of learned this from both the French Revolution and the Civil War, that 
they can use this kind of propaganda to their favor and paint how they can paint themselves in the public's eye is more important than any kind of political power they wield. And more important than like honesty and who they actually are. Correct. Yeah. Well, I will uh, be looking forward to our next couple of episodes then. <laughs> yes. Uh, those, I will say we will be ending our uh, Assassins versus Templar series with the World Wars. So, does that mean we'll also be ending our first season with the World Wars as well? Yes, it does. Maybe a character deep dive in addition, but yeah. but we're wrapping. yes, awesome. Well, y'all will have to stay tuned for season two. Yeah, we will. All right. Do you have anything else for this episode, though? I do not. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at Assassin's Creed Lorecast, or you could talk to us on Discord in the Robots Radio Discord or our personal Discord server. Both links found in this episode's descriptions. Thank you for listening, and always stay to the shadows to serve the light, Assassins. Vault Dwellers, join me, Jaxus, Sassy Lady Romer, Eric, and the Creator Maverick as we take topics from the Fallout universe and discuss them with other diverse individuals. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it using at FalloutRTD. You can send us an email using FalloutRTD at gmail.com. Join us. The conversation has already started.